Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. This day. Let's go to word of the Lord, 2 Kings chapter number 2, verse number 19 through 22. Now, if I start sweating, just know that that's just the Pentecostal preacher in me. <laughs> 2 Kings chapter number 2, verse number 19 through verse 22. I'm going to be reading from the King James Version, uh, so just follow along with me if you don't mind. But 2 Kings chapter number 2. Again, good to see everybody today. Here begins the reading of God's holy word. Verse number 19 says, uh, The people of the city said to Elisha, Look, our Lord, this town is well situated, as you can see, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. Bring me a new bowl, he said, uh, and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. And uh, then he went out to the spring and threw the salt into it, saying, This is what the Lord says. I have healed this water. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. And the water remained pure to this day, according to the word that Elisha has spoken. There in the um, King James Version is a different interpretation of it. It says that the water was not and the ground was barren. And he said, bring me a new cruise and put salt therein. And they brought it to him. And he went forth into the spring of the waters and cast the salt there and said, Thus saith the Lord, I have healed these waters. There shall not be from thence any more death or barren land. So the waters were healed unto this day according to the saying of Elijah, which he spake. For just a few moments, I'd like to minister from this subject, breaking the barrier of barren. Breaking the barrier of barren. What I appreciate most about where, I guess, Pastor Josh has us in this series of revival is although we come to an end of this revival series, it's actually a beginning. You should always view every ending as a beginning. And certainly, if there's one thing that we must pay attention to in the spirit realm is cycles. Uh, God strategically aligns our lives for us to live in seasons. Uh, And certainly, as we come to an end of the season of risk revival, it starts a new momentum for us. It starts a new opportunity for us to take all the words that we've received in this summer series and go out and do something great for God. I find interesting this particular text because it's in an unlikely place. In order for you to fully understand the story, we got to back up a little bit and find out even who this individual Elisha is. So let's go to Sunday school for a few moments, and I promise I'm going to get out of your hair so we can get to the water even though I can't get on the slide and I'm feeling some kind of way about it. <laughs> but nevertheless, uh, we go to uh, the book of 1 Kings to get introduced to a man by the name of Elijah. He comes to the scene to end a cycle of disobedience. He arrives literally out of thin air. He doesn't have any interest. Uh, the scripture doesn't give us any details associated with who his parents are. We have no genealogy. There's nothing we know about Elijah, but he just shows up out of thin air, and he's this wild individual who's eating this locust, and uh, <laughs> he's managing by being fed by a raven. 
But the scripture says that the only way the cycle will end for drought and devastation to the children of Israel is if the word comes through his voice, if the word comes from his mouth. The scripture says that he comes to confront a culture. I come to tell somebody today that we cannot break barriers of barrenness until we're ready to confront the culture. Sometimes we are the culture. Sometimes it's us, amen, having to take a look at what's happening in our society, what's happening in our schools, what's happening to us personally, and taking a stand to say, are we really on the Lord's side? There's a lot of us who kind of play in the middle, and it helps us get by. But God doesn't desire for us to get by. Your season of getting by is over. God desires for us to flourish. This revival comes today to address some things that we've gone uh, allowed to get lukewarm, allowed things that just meddle in the middle. God says, I come today to confront even your own thinking of normalcy. My God, I feel the wind of God already. <laughs> but the scripture tells us that uh, Elijah has to call the children of Israel to the Mount of Carmel. It's at the Mount Carmel that he tells the children of Israel, we got a decision to make right now. We got to make this decision now. Who's on the Lord's side or who's not on the Lord's side? It's the prophets of Baal uh, who are now amongst the children of Israel, and they've set up altars to Baal. And we know that, uh, uh, that Ahab is married to Jezebel, and he has plans to try to undo all that, amen, the prowess of the children of Israel have concerning their relationship and worship. And the scripture tells us that Elijah literally has to call down fire from heaven to get the attention of the Israelites to know that it is God Jehovah who they are supposed to follow. It is God Jehovah who made ways for them. It's God Jehovah who didn't leave them hanging in the wilderness. It's God Jehovah who made provision for them. The scripture tells us that as you see this scene unfolding right here about uh, 1 Kings chapter number 18 and you see this fire being called down from heaven, there's a stirring that takes place amongst the people that they recognize that it is the Lord who is for us. And there is a turning and a shift of a cycle that happens amongst the children of Israel to return back to the ordinance of God. The scripture says it's at this moment that Elisha puts his head in between his knees and he starts asking, amen, do you see a cloud? A servant comes back and says, I don't see a cloud. You know the Sunday school story. They repeat this amen, seven times and, and the scripture tells us that on the seventh time he comes back and he sees uh, the cloud the size of a man's hand. And we see Elisha carrying on, amen, in the strength of God, outmaneuvering a chariot uh, because of the power of God that's on his side. But it's interesting how cycles take place. Has anybody ever been there before where you could do something great for God in one chapter of your life, and then you get to your next chapter and you're hit with depression? You ever got the, the, the dream home, and then in the next season of your life, you found yourself unable to uh, maintain what it is that God gave you for you ever got the promotion on the job and, and you feel good about where you are and then you get hit with insecurity? The scripture says this is what happens to Elisha. He turns the chapter and in one chapter he's successful. The fire of God is coming and in the next chapter he finds himself balled up like a little child asking for his life to be over. Because cycles happen sometimes to our psyches and even happen sometimes to our preachers. We can stand up here one day and preach fire down from heaven in the next chapter. It's us who needs the resolve and the peace of God to make it through our next season. 
The scripture says that the answer to Elisha's problem and the reason why Elisha cannot forfeit his life is because Elisha has a mantle on his life that he must give to someone else. And I come to tell somebody today that the reason why your revival is so necessary is because you have a mantle. And you look at somebody like we do at my church, look at somebody, you have a mantle. <laughs> come on, talk to them. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Tell them you have a mantle. <laughs> you have a mantle. You have something of significance that you must impart to someone. That's why you can't go crazy. Uh, that's why you can't give up on your assignment. That's why you keep coming to church. That's why you keep coming, amen, to the horns of the altar in prayer because there's something in your life that you must distribute. And God says you cannot forfeit. You cannot give up. You cannot quit. You can't stop running. Ah, yes, you can't leave the church if you wanted to. You keep showing up every week asking yourself, why am I still here? Because God says there's a mantle on your life. If you believe it, I need you to clap your hands and give God praise in this tent. So the Bible says that Elisha, in his moment of discouragement, he gets help. God says, I want you to go. I want you to go find this young man on the side of the road. I'm giving you the South Central version, y'all. So I'm leaving out all the thouts and all that kind of, <laughs> all the ETHs. All right. <laughs> this is the Crenshaw. This is the hood version. All right. <laughs> but nevertheless, amen. He said, I want you to go down and I've got help for you. The Bible says that uh, when he passes by the home of Elisha, the scripture says that he cast his mantle toward Elisha. Elisha knows at this moment that it is time for him to embark upon his own spiritual journey. So Elisha says to Elijah, I'll follow you, but there's some things I got to clean up. <laughs> uh, I want to have one last party with my parents. I want to kiss my mama goodbye. I want to tell my dad goodbye. I want to uh, say good day to all of my friends and neighbors and all that kind of stuff like that. Elijah says to Elisha, do what you got to do. But this mantle is on your life. The scripture says something interesting, though. Because it signifies a new cycle that requires your commitment. The scripture says that Elisha, ah, yes, he doesn't just, amen, go back and do all the farewells. The scripture says that Elisha is, is plowing uh, uh, yokes of oxen. Elijah comes from, amen, Elisha comes from a home that, amen, is synonymous with, amen, agriculture and uh, synonymous with property. And, and the scripture says that Elisha does something interesting. Elisha, ah, he doesn't just have a party, he has a party. <laughs> ah, he takes the oxen and the scripture says that he cuts the oxen up and he takes the instruments that are plowing, the ox are using the plow, and he takes and he builds a fire, and he has a huge bonfire and a huge uh, party. Ah, yes, and then he says, bid adieu to your parents. Now, I thought that was quite interesting. Now, if you just want to leave, just leave. But why you got to tear up all this stuff? <laughs> why, you have, why does the oxen just have to go? But the Lord says something interesting to me in the departure of Elisha that represents your new cycle or represents your personal revival. Elisha was so committed to the call that was on his life that he says within himself, in order for me to fully do the will of God, in order for me to fully follow Elisha with everything that I have, Elisha says, in order for me to really commit to what God is doing in my life, I have to get rid of the excuses. I have to get rid of the back door. I have to get rid of the conveniences. And as long as I'm plowing and as long as it's an option, I can always go back. And so God sent me here to tell somebody, your personal revival today is to get rid of the back door. Your personal revival is to get rid of the things that entice you to go back to what God has called you into, which is a brighter future. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give God praise right now. 
There are no exit plans. There is no going back. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. I have no other options but to follow him, his plan, and his will for my life. God says for some of us, the problem why we don't have peace and the reason why the cycles will not change is because you're sometiming with God. Your relationship depends on who's preaching. Your relationship depends on if I could say the preacher's name. Your relationship, amen, depends on whether I feel it or not. But I believe there's about 10 of us under this tent today. Ah, with a made-up mind today, says, God, I'll follow you wherever you're leading me. My mind is made up. I am committed to doing your will and your way. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give God praise. Give him a loud praise right now. It's, it's difficult letting go. It's difficult turning the page. But you are necessary. And the scripture tells us, amen, that the significance of Elisha, amen, departing with what's comfortable is he symbolizes, amen, the new thing that God wants you that requires a commitment. It requires your whole heart. We can't ask God for revival. We can't ask God to do the miraculous if we're half-hearted about it. We can't ask God to do the exceeding and the abundantly of all. We can ask or think and just think he's some genie. It requires you to level up. It requires you to dig in. It requires you to say, God, I'm trusting you even with the things I don't understand. The Bible tells us, the Bible tells us, ah, yes, that Elijah understands that his responsibility is to be like a fly under the tent <laughs> it's to annoy it's to it's 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 to follow Elijah everywhere he goes Elijah tries to depart from Elisha at Bethel um, but he can't get rid of him there's another time at Jericho where Elisha amen could leave Elijah but he's willing to amen stay the course there's another time in scripture they get to Jordan and we feel it's most expedient for Elijah and Elisha the part ways but Elisha says with himself I have nowhere else to go but to follow you and at the time of Elijah's transition there appears to be something that happens that's kind of melodramatic in the text. Because it's, it's one of those things where you've been following me and I, I really can't do anything for you because God has more for me. And so you kind of see this uh, uh, relationship coming to an end. And because I believe that Elijah, I'm just kind of interpreting the text. I just believe that, hey, I got to give you something for you having my back all these years. I got to do something for you following me for all these seasons. So Elijah says to, or Elijah says to Elisha, what is it that you want? What is it that you ask of me? Elisha says within himself, uh, I want a double portion of what it is that you have. Elijah looks at Elisha and says, what you ask me for is a hard thing. I want to talk to some people who want to end some cycles in your life. And God says the only way that you are going to end the cycle and move into this thing that God wants you to do in this season is you cannot be afraid to ask for hard things. You're too passive in your relationship. Come on, I'm talking to sleepyhead today. You're too passive. God says, God says, when's the last time you asked me for something hard? When's the last time you asked me for something difficult? You walk the fine line. You walk, ah, yes. And when's the last time you got to the edge in your faith to ask God, give me something to jump out on. Give me something to believe you for. Because God sent me instruction to tell you today that just because it's hard does not mean it's impossible. <laughs> Can you wake somebody up and tell them, wake up, wake up, wake up. It might be hard, but it's not impossible. 
I feel like I'm on Crenshaw right now. Look at somebody tell them it might be hard, but it's not impossible. You can't be afraid to ask. He says, if you can keep your eyes on me and not get jaded with what you see, you can receive this mantle. The Bible says that Elisha is translated up. Ah, yes, and the mantle is cast. Catch it. <laughs> the mantle is cast upon Elisha. And the scripture says now that Elijah, oh, I dropped that up. What did I do with that? Uh, on my shoulder. <laughs> I had it the whole time. <laughs> Thank you, Reverend. <laughs> ah, but the scripture tells us that Elisha, amen, catches it, and now he's got to work with what's been given to him. He has to now go back to the same area, amen, that Elijah had. Can I share something with you about this new cycle in life? This new cycle in life will have you revisit the things, ah, yes, that the previous generations had to go through. You've got the same mantle facing the same river. <laughs> You've got the same mantle facing the same obstacles. You've got the same mantle now facing the same challenges. How do you overcome it? By using what you have. Some of you have abandoned the mantle of prayer. And the Bible tells me, amen, that Elijah has used the very thing that Elijah used to get over, to get him back over. And for some of us, we think this new cycle is going to be some brand new gadget or this brand new theology or this brand new approach to ministry or this super thing that comes out of the sky or gets emailed to you. And God says, use what you have. Prayer still works, y'all. Fasting still works. Worship still works. Coming to church still works. Coming to Bible study still works. I don't know how it works for you, but I thank God that the things my mother and grandmother and my dad and my grandfather put in me, they still work. God says what it took to get you there is what it's going to take to get you over. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give God praise. The call to this new sequel the, the, the call to this new season, the call to break this cycle requires you to revisit the things that you think are ancient, the things that you think are dated. Oh, come on. Come on. All my tech savvy folks. Come on now. Ah, yes. All my folks, my Zuckerberg uh, burger folks, all my folks who are looking for a new phenomenon. God is saying, no, the revival for some of us is to get back on our knees. How did we get so lifted that we cannot crack our knees anymore? How do we get so jaded that we can come into God's house and don't even speak to him? How is it that we can come into God's house and not lift up a worship? How can we come into God's house and not ask for fire and revival to fall? Oh, somebody in this house, do something. Ah, yes, give him something. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I challenge this next move of God. My challenge in this next move of God, and I challenge to all of you under the sound of my voice, is to recognize that you are necessary. With my next and last few moments of this message, I want you to understand, amen, that what Elisha uh, might have been asking for is something that we all need. Elisha understood that he could never be Elijah. Ah, but it does not mean that he couldn't operate with the spirit of Elisha. For some of us, our challenge is, is that we know good and well that we cannot be like Jesus. <laughs> it's difficult to be like Jesus. It's difficult to look past certain things. But the God told me <laughs> to share with you all, you have an even higher expectation. Because he says, greater works than these shall you do. He says, ah, the problem you have is that you fail to recognize ah, that what you need in order to be equipped for this next season is the Holy Ghost. 
Tell somebody you need the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you need the Holy Ghost. Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> ah, yeah. How can you be like Jesus? He says, I'm giving you the power to do greater than anything I ever did. I've given you the capacity, ah, yes, to do miracle signs and wonders that are not seen here on earth. How are you going to accomplish these things with God's spirit, with God's guidance, with him dwelling on the inside of me? God says some of you need to revive. Some of you need to speak again. Some of you need to ask God for outpouring again. Some of you need the wind of God to touch you one more time. Hallelujah. As I close, we get to the conundrum of the text. Because as Elijah uh, uh, passes this mantle to Elisha, the scripture tells us, ah, yes, that Elisha, amen, now has to start operating in ministry. I find it quite interesting where Elisha chooses to set up. He chooses to start a school in ministry in a place that's cursed. The Bible says that Elisha starts a ministry school in a place called Jericho. If you go back to the Old Testament, you'll recognize that Jericho is a place ah, that the children of Israel had to take down. They're the walls of Jericho that kept them from the promise. They're the walls of Jericho that kept them from manifestation. They're the walls of Jericho that kept them from milk and honey. And the scripture tells us that they do the walk. And they walk around seven times. And when one loud shout, the walls come down. But if you further look at that text, you'll come to realize that when the walls came down, that Joshua cursed this place. Joshua says this is a place, ah, uh, yes, where, where there will be no more uh, 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 manifestation. There will be no more expansion. There will be no more rivers. There will be no more fruit from this place. But Elisha chooses to start a school in a place that's barren. It doesn't make sense. And I asked God, why would Elisha set up a place to do ministry in a place that's cursed? He says, because the cycle breakers can't be cozy. The cycle breakers cannot be comfortable Christians. They have to be willing to go back to places where it, it didn't work before. They have to be willing to go back to places where it feels as if, amen, nothing is popping off. There is no manifestation. He says, but I've given you the power to cast something in the water to change the cycle forever. God says, I put something on your life in this revival, not for you to play it coy, not for you to play it like a deep wonder, not for you to walk around in the spirit of comfort and complacency. God says, I've called you to go back to the hard thing. I've called you to go back to the thing that's messed up your generational bloodline. I've called you to go back to some things that you felt like were failures. He says, when you go back this time, I've given you something to break the barrier of barren. I've called you to go into places where it appears as if it almost happens. There's almost manifestation. It almost gets in the belly and then it fizzles out. And God says it's been a source of your frustration. You've had idea after idea. You've had business opportunity after business opportunity. You've had emotional heartstrings pull at you. You've had relationship breakdown after relationship breakdown. And it seems as if it almost happens for you. It's almost right and then it fizzles out. But God says, bring me a new vessel. <laughs> Look at somebody and just tap them on the shoulder and tell you are the new vessel. Come on, come on, talk them, tell them you're the new vessel. 
God wants to use you. God wants to use you. You are necessary. Ah, yes, to bring an end to frustration. You are necessary to bring deliverance. I feel my preaching in here. You are necessary to break the cycle of the emotional things that have plagued your community, that have plagued your generation. God says you are necessary. I want to use something that hasn't been used before. I want to use a voice I've never heard before. I want to use a person that gets overlooked. I want to use something new. That's why God says I need you in this season. He takes the cruise that hasn't been used before and he places salt on the inside of it. I'm here to remind you that ye are the salt of the earth. <laughs> uh, I'm here to remind you it is your job to season. It is your job to preserve. It is your job to aggravate and to agitate. But above all, it is your job to be placed as a vessel in the impossible so that things will spring up, so that manifestation will spring up. It's my job to provoke you to greater works. It's my job to get on your nerves today till you say, where was that big black man amen, who told me I can do better in life? It's my job to provoke you and to get on your nerves until you leave this place feeling inspired to put an end to some things that have always been barren. Everybody standing to your feet. You are the cycle breaker. You are the one that God has called for. You are the remnant. You are the one that God wants to cast into the dangerous. You are the one that God wants to do this next work in this next season in. God says, I've got the right word for the right people. The end of this revival is the beginning of the end of the cycle. <laughs> Ah, you represent manifestation. You represent that everything that the enemy has tried to block, everything that the enemy has tried to put a cascade over this ministry, you represent the new thing that God wants to do. And it's my job to agitate you. It's my job to remind you your salt. It's my job to tell you have no use or no purpose if you cannot preserve a generation. You're as good as the sand on the ground if you cannot inspire healing. That's why this revival is so necessary. Because God says there's something in the water. <laughs> there's something in the water. There's something that's going to bring healing to our families. There's something that's going to bring change to our jobs. There's something that's going to happen to break down these relationship issues that we have in our family structures. God says, I've called you. If you believe it, lift your hands. <laughs> Father, in the name of Jesus. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.